Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Two guests joining me. First, we've got View from the Ninian's very own Gareth Baker. Gareth and I reflected on that great win against Brighton. A 2-0 away win, goals from Nathaniel Mendes-Lang and Sean Morrison. We touched on the Burnley loss a little bit, but we didn't want to bring the mood down too much. We also looked ahead to Sunday's game against Liverpool. I was also joined by the Anfield Raps Neil Atkinson to get an insight into the Liverpool mindset and mentality as they chase that first title in, in a long time. Neil also talked about how perhaps Neil Warnock can set up Cardiff City to frustrate or maybe even, even get a, a point or three from Liverpool. A great show, some great insights and, and I hope you enjoy it. Before I let you get to that, a quick word and an ask. We'd love it if you voted for View from the Ninian and the Best New Content Creator in the Football Blogging Awards. Take you two seconds to vote. If you go to our Twitter, you can copy our pinned tweet and tweet it yourself. Or you can go to the Football Blogging Awards website and vote there. So View from the Ninian in the Best New Content Creator category. Now, Enjoy the show. It's a good one. And follow us on Twitter at VFTNinian. That's at VFTNinian. Let us know what you think. Enjoy. Well, joining me today and making his view from the Ninian podcast debut is Gareth Baker. Hi, Gareth. Hi, Scott. Glad to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. No worries. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, mate. You know, all the better since uh, since Tuesday night. Joe. I mean, it could I could be feeling a lot worse. Let's just say that. Yeah, it was it was one of the, one of the games of the season, wasn't it? Just just an absolute an absolute cracker, and one that will that will live on with us for for a while. And you know, this is the first podcast we've done since the Burnley game as well. And I don't want to dwell on that too much because uh, <laughs> it'll it'll put us down a bit. But Cardiff, perhaps. There's a couple of decisions that maybe went against us that we perhaps could feel slightly aggrieved by, but Burnley deserved the win, I think, didn't they? Cardiff weren't weren't at the race as much as we would like them to be. Yeah, as much as we can aggrieve uh, the poor decisions that have gone against us, you know, you could say Manga uh, committed a penalty against Brighton, so it does even itself out. You know, uh, Bamba was offside against Brighton early in the season. Uh, I think in the heat at the moment, it's easy to blame the officials. But I was speaking to um, a Manchester United friend of mine, and it was it was good to actually have an unbiased perspective, where he kind of said, "Look, you've had stuff against you. There's no doubt about that." But he's seen decisions against Burnley, uh, against Man United themselves, and you know it it does even itself out at the end of the day. And I I, I just laughed when Manga committed that foul because. I, I knew it was a penalty. It was a penalty, in my yeah, opinion. And I just was. kind of thought, do you know what? We can't moan now for the rest of the season because that could that could have been one 0 to Brighton, and then we would have been down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that would have been a, a turning point because one of the things that kind of went in our favour was the Brighton crowd were were on their backs so much yeah. throughout the game, weren't they? That you know that turning point and gives them a bit of confidence and a boost in the stands could have really you know worked against us and in their favour. Yeah, you know, look, the win was amazing. Um, it's it's a win that's paramount to our survival hopes. There's no question about that. And, you know, I'm absolutely resentful of every Cardiff fan who had a ticket up to the annex because, 
you know, I was stuck watching on TV, twirling my T-shirt around every time the ball went in. <laughs> it's not quite the same as being there. It was, you know, it was a superb result, Scott, yeah. It was, yeah. And I think, you know, looking back, whatever happens this, this season, when we look back at this season, that's one of the results that will that will really sort of sort of stand out, won't it? And I think the away the away wins, you know, few and far between that Southampton one, the Leicester one and the Brighton one are just one of the best moments of the season, aren't they? You know, great yeah, drama, Dan, great. If you look results. at it, sorry, if, um, if if you look at the chances up against us with Cardiff winning that game, you know, it's the, it's the first time Cardiff, first of all, have done the league double over Brighton since the 98-99 season. Mm. And it's also the first time Cardiff won a top flight away match. Uh, by more than one goal since Charlton in 1956. You know, if I told you these stats before the Brighton game, you would have just written us off. But yeah. here we are, 2-0 against Brighton away. And, you know, we're very much in the game. And I think all of the players were, were fantastic. But who stood out for you? Who do you think were the key players in that match? Well, to be honest, I've been uh, Joe Rawls, one of his harshest critics. Like, there's no doubt that he was effective during the championship campaign. Um, but... I don't feel he um, possesses the quality, the, the pace um, uh, and the technical ability to be a Premier League player. But when he turns out a performance like he did against Brighton, where he just worked his absolute nuts off, then you can kind of forgive those lack of attributes. Um, so for me, um, 100% the man of the match. Uh, but Morrison as well, you know. Yeah. His first Premier League goal since his goal against Man United for Reading back in I think 2000 and God knows when. But um, it was overdue, yeah. wasn't it? Though. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a lot of people have been criticising all season. I think in one of the earlier podcasts, uh, Bethan said that she's been one of his harsh, harshest critics. But I th- I think he's a Premier League player on his day, hundred percent. Well, it's you know it's it's not an easy job marshalling Glenn Murray, is it? You know. He's experienced and and has got that quality, and you know his goals pretty much have kept Brighton up last year and and you know in the fight this year. So yeah, I think Morrison in particular, Morrison and Rawls both had the first few months of the season, maybe before Christmas, I think struggled to to adjust. But post Christmas, you know, January onwards, I think they both stepped up, and particularly you know the last few games since since Bamba's been out, Morrison's been immense. I think he's really stepped up. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, to be honest, it's it's a breath of fresh air to see. I I I'm such a big fan of Sean Morrison. You know, after that goal against Hull, he's pretty much put himself in, in my book as a Cardiff City legend. You know, and I I I every time he has a poor performance early in the season, I felt like it cut me cut me deep a little bit. It was like seeing, you know, like your son doing badly on the football field, Johnny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's great to see him step up to the plate again, Scott. It is, and, and the squad as a whole showed unbelievable character, I think, and it it was a must-win. We all knew that, you know. If 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 we'd lost that game, I think we were pretty much down. Maybe not mathematically, but mentally, I think we were down. But to go to Brighton away from home, and you know, in a hostile environment, their their crowds were nervous and, and on, and it was intense. And to go there pull out that performance it wasn't even a, a close win we we're all over yeah. them you know really dominant yeah. display so it was unbelievable character well one of the weirdest stats you say like how we were all over them if you if you if you watch the game like obviously it felt like we were all over them but it's, it, it goes to show how useless that statistics sometimes can be because we had much less possession 
uh, 16% less pass succession. And I think you said on um, Twitter yourself that Dale Stevens put in one of the worst midfield performances of all time. You know, really, like Cardiff, we've become accustomed to having such little possession and our passing are great that we can be all over a team in our minds like we were against Brighton, but the stats show differently. It's yeah. because we just, we're against the grain. We're not what the Premier League has seen before. Yeah, I've decided over the last week that that I'm ignoring stats now because, like I said, I tweeted that <laughs> about Dale Stevens, and I saw quite a few people tweet that are convinced that he hadn't completed a single pass. And actually, his pass completion was 86%, I think it was, which was the second highest in the Brighton team and maybe mm. like the third or fourth highest overall in the game. Yeah, but he did have a terrible game. Oh, yeah, he was was awful. But I saw another stat um, yesterday. It was rankings of um, goalkeeper performances in the the Premiership this year. And it ranked Neil Etheridge as dead last. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't can't remember who who produced it or what it was based on. But I was just looking at it. I was thinking he's been phenomenal this year. Um, It was based on, I've just got it here... Based on crossing distribution and shot stopping, and mm. yeah, he was he was ranked dead last with a ranking of one out of ten out in all of them based on stats. Well, hang on for the season. For the season, yeah. Where is those? Where are those stats from? Uh, World in Motion, apparently. Why well, delete that website? It shouldn't <laughs> exist. But I mean, it was just I. It was Hugh Davis, the former four four two guy who tweeted it. I don't know if you follow him on on Twitter. And I said, went back and said, I'm not having this. You know, Etheridge has been phenomenal this year. Mm. Um, and he he said, I, I agree. His guess is that some of it's tactical. Yeah. In that Etheridge is bound to have rubbish sort of distribution figures at Cardiff. You know, we tell him to boot it along almost every time, so it's likely going to not not be completion. Um, and the way we set up to defend, you know, with Morrison, Bruno and, and Sol Bamba dominating the air. So, you know, maybe Etheridge doesn't come out and, and get the ball as much as other goalkeepers because he's got these big boots in front of him dominating the air. But, you know, like I said, I'm I'm done with stats. You know, that I looked at that and I thought that is not telling of, of football and, you know, the feeling. And I think every Cardiff fan would say Etheridge has been phenomenal this year. Yeah, you know, stats sometimes can be effective. You know, um, I think I remember back in the day uh, proving a point uh, regarding Peter Whitnam. Someone didn't rate Peter Whitnam and what he'd done that season. I remember going on, I think, who scored or something like that. And you could check uh, how much chances someone's created and stuff like that. So you can see how creative a midfielder is. But for a goalkeeper, it, it's hard It's hard to show how good a goalkeeper has been by stats. You have to just... Yeah watch the games because Etheridge is an absolutely phenomenal shot stopper just as David Marshall was in our in our uh, previous Premier League campaign who got on the Premier League team of the season if you remember yeah. so yeah I think it's just time to ignore stats when it comes to goalkeepers to be honest mate yeah because if, if you'd asked me I think Etheridge has been you know one of the top goalkeepers outside the top six. Oh, 100% um, I don't think it would be stupid to assume he's uh, if, if he was put in the Premier League team this season as a goalkeeper, it, I, th- I would agree with it. I would agree with yeah. it because people love to put De Gea and Lloris and people like Edison as the best just because they play for the best teams. But honestly, we'd be much worse off in the table if we didn't have Neil Etheridge stepping up to the plate. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and Etheridge is going to be called into action plenty, I'm sure, on, on Sunday. The visit, the visit of Liverpool to the Cardiff City Stadium, after a huge win like Brighton, there's probably not many of the teams you'd want to face less, is there? No, no, definitely. I, I've got uh, one of my good mates as a Liverpool fan. He went to Cardiff University with me and fell in love with Cardiff a little bit. But even he said, if we beat them on the weekend, that he's going to hate Cardiff for the rest of his life. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to feel optimistic about a Cardiff win, to be honest, Scott. Liverpool aren't just, just a great team, if not the best in the world, but they're a great team with a chance to finally win the Premier League. And, you know, the whole of Liverpool wants it just as bad as the whole of Cardiff wants survival, Premier League survival. And unless something goes catastrophically wrong for the Reds, you know, like Joe Bennett injuring Salah, Mane and Firmino in one heroic tackle, (laughs) I can't see anything but a heavy defeat. And I'm sorry to be negative, but, you know, you look at that team, they have quality all over the field. And unless every single one of our players has their best game of the season, other than Camaraza, who will just be like a walk in a park for. <laughs> you know, it's, that's that's all I can see, unfortunately. Scott, it's too hard to see a Cardiff win. Yeah, I, th- I, I do agree with you. I think that... Um, I think we'll put up a fight. I don't think it'll be a walkover. I think that we'll be buoyed by, you know, the result on the, the other day, all to fight for. We'll maybe even score and make them sweat a bit, but I think their quality will tell. And, and like you said, they're, they're fighting for the title for the first time in the Premier League um, title. So there's so much riding on it for both teams. But I think that it's such an important game for them that I just don't think they'll they'll slip up. If they had nothing to play for, I'd fancy our chances a bit more. You know, Man United on the last day of the season, it's possible that they it'll just be a routine for them. They won't have anything to, to play for. So that's the type of game you think, well, maybe we could get at them and, and cause an upset. But Liverpool, you know, still fighting for it. Man City are playing Tottenham, aren't they? So, you know, a chance for them to open up a gap if, if Spurs pull off a great result like they did did last night, which was, I don't know if you watched it, but probably game of game of the Absolutely. decade, probably. It was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable, yeah. But, you know, Liverpool have a very easy run-in. Uh, for the rest of the season they've got the likes of us Huddersfield Newcastle and Wolves um, so they could be lax they might think oh do you know what we've got some easy games and this is football uh, you know Liverpool might feel the pressure and choke who knows because I can guarantee the Cardiff players won't be under as much pressure as the Liverpool players yeah. and they might just want to go out there and enjoy playing against the elite for perhaps one of the final times just we can't write it off we can't it's, it's unhuman to write off. Yeah, definitely. And there'll be some really important battles battles across the pitch. And, you know, Liverpool's wingers against our, our full-backs. You know, Bennett's had a great season and Peltier's really, really stood up in the last last few months. But the prospect of, of Lee Peltier stopping, you know, an informed Sadio Mane is it, it's scary sometimes. He'll certainly need a lot of help from, from whoever's playing in front of him. Yeah, it's going to keep me up at night. That thought now, cheers, Scott. <laughs> no, he's um, he's definitely stepped up to the plate as well. I keep saying stepped up to the plate, but that's what our whole squad has done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Peltier, you know, he has he has a big task in front of him. Bennett, you know, I've I think he's um, I think he's a Premier League player. He's shown that now, uh, so I'm not too concerned about him. But that right channel is definitely our weak spot. Definitely. 
And, you know, midfield might be a, a big battle as well. And I, I've not heard any sort of latest news on Gunner's injury and obviously Arta missed the Brighton one as well. So if those two are missing as as well, that'll be a big loss. And hopefully Joe Rawls can, can step in as well. But not sure who fills that, that other role. Not 100% convinced about Bakuna. I think he did well against Brighton, but not sure if he's perhaps good enough to be a starting Premier League player. So, you know... What happens there? Does Bobby Reed come in and Camarasa play deeper? What, what's your view? Uh, I I disagree. I I think Bakuna does have something in his locker. I think um, I saw on social media that someone asked how uh, how we're going to replace Gunnison. I think um, the short term goal is Bakuna. We signed him for a reason. Warnock likes him, and I can guarantee you, if Warnock likes him, he's going to be playing against Liverpool. So. It will be Rawls, um, Bakuna, and as you said, um, Camarasa will just have to drop in a bit deeper. It'll just be a, kind of a flat uh, midfield four-three-three, possibly. Yeah. And so you, you've mentioned Gareth that you don't, don't fancy our chances too much against Liverpool. What's your score prediction? Score prediction? Oh, that's why do you have to do this to me? Because I'm just <laughs> going to come across as the most negative Cardiff fan. Um, Realistics. I'm, uh, I think 3-0 Liverpool. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that hurts. I, I'm going to go for 2-1 for Liverpool. I think we'll lose, but I'm going to be go. slightly more op- optimistic. And you know, After this game, obviously Cardiff, uh, then we've got games away at Fulham, at home to Palace and away to Man United. I think it's fair to say it's between us and Brighton to go down. Southampton mathematically still involved, but I, th- I think they're probably probably out of it. Brighton, obviously Wolves away this weekend, Spurs, Newcastle, Arsenal away, City at home, Man City that is. How do you see it going? Yeah, you know, it's quintessentially a relegation playoff now between us and Brighton. There's no doubt about that. Um, everyone else is safe. I think um, we we definitely showed uh, against Brighton that out of the two teams, we have the bottle. If I was a Brighton fan, I'd be embarrassed by that performance but you never know they could they they could turn it around but as things stand I can only you know tell it how it is I think we will do the business I think we'll stay up I can only say that yeah I I, I agree I like the optimism well Gareth perfect thank you very much for joining us if people are angered by your 3-0 score prediction where can they come (laughs) and shout at you on Twitter uh that would be at Gareth Bakery Perfect. Well, hopefully, hopefully, they get too much abuse. But um, no, thanks for joining us. It's been great, and uh, you know, fingers crossed for Sunday. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I look forward to the abuse. Thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. We're really excited today to be getting the Liverpool point of view ahead of Sunday from the Anfield Wraps' very own Neil Atkinson. Neil, hello. Good morning. How are you? Oh, excellent, excellent. Looking forward to Sunday for one. Yes, it's. I mean, I bet it's... You're a similar perspective to us, I suppose, but different end of the table in that it's all still to play for. It's all the business end and, uh, you know, exciting, stressful at the same time. How does it feel to be a Liverpool fan right now? It's it's amazing, to be honest with you. I mean, it's 
it's worth putting it into context that there's there's people who come and contribute to our shows who are in, in the late forties, early fifties who are saying that this could be the best could end up being the best Liverpool League season there's ever been. And we're talking there about you know, we've won eighteen league titles. We haven't won one since nineteen ninety, you know, when I was nine years old. But we've won eighteen league titles and, and this could be, you know, the, in terms of the level of performance, the points total, the could the, the competition, what we're up against, you know, we've got to do this week in, week out. The pressure is on every Every time we take to the pitch, the pressure's on, and these these footballers are delivering, and they're delivering at home, and they're delivering in Europe, and you know it's it's a tremendous side. So from that point of view, it's an absolute pleasure. There's another point of view where every single week you you're hoping, not expecting, but hoping that Manchester City might just slip up a tiny little bit. Yeah, but, you know they they they've 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 won every game bar one since the third of January when we went to the Etihad, and they're a remarkable side. They deserve an enormous amount of credit, Manchester. City, uh, they've shown an unbelievable amount of grit. I think we talk a lot about the quality, but they've shown an unbelievable amount of grit. I think, and um, but you know, so too Liverpool. And I do hope this title race. I know it's not a laugh for Cardiff at the minute, and 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 us coming on on Sunday, you know, throws it in there. But I do really hope this title race is being enjoyed um, across the country because you know this could be the best title race this decade. It could be the best title race. Full stop. The yeah. level both sides are going at. And so I really do hope that people are enjoying it. Uh, at times, probably enjoying it more than I am. But, you know, that's, that's the nature of the beast. It's what you've got to get through. And, and hopefully we win the day. But there's every chance we win every game and we come second. And that would be crazy. But that's what could happen. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that it's one of the most exciting title races, even as, you know, a Cardiff fan looking up. And the fact that Liverpool have already, I think I'm right in saying, already bettered Leicester's title winning points total with, with five games to go. And like you said, there's a chance that they might not win the title. Yeah, I mean we've got to we've got to be open to that, and if that's the case, then you know as far as I'm concerned, they can, you know, they can they, they can present Manchester City with the title on the steps of St George's Hall in Liverpool, and we can all go and shake their hands because if we can't get behind this sort of demonstration of elite sport and elite mentality, then you know what I don't want to hear at the end of this. Certainly, if Liverpool get 97 points and Manchester City get 98, or even if we get 97 and they get 96, is talk that somebody's bottled it or all of those cliches, all yeah. of those nonsenses. I think that'd be a real shame and a bit of an insult to the, the the standard of the footballers and what they've done week in week out I've been so impressed with City but Liverpool have kept pace and are continuing to do so and at the minute we may just look a little bit stronger but that doesn't you know we can't we can't influence what Manchester City do we can't change what they're going to do in the league at all and now we don't face them in Europe so we've just got to we've just got to do our thing and, and enjoy our thing as much as possible and, and I hope that happens as well you know I don't want a situation either where Liverpool supporters themselves are looking back at results in January saying oh we drew at home to Leicester we probably should have won that you know, and getting on the sides back. I really hope that doesn't happen. If you know, if we take this all the way and then we're just bested by a point by this Manchester City side, which would have averaged ninety nine points across two seasons, then I yeah. think we just go, oh, yeah, that you know, that's 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 one of them and we've got to dust ourselves down and find a way to get psyched up for next year. Yeah, I think you're right with the, you know, people labelling as bottle jobs and we've seen it this week already with, with Guardiola and people calling him <coughs> a bottle job in in Europe and a failure, but you know, an unbelievable side Man City the same Liverpool and it shows the fine margins at you know that high level exactly and, and you've got a literal sort of demonstration of the fine margins which is that Aguero is deemed to be offside in an earlier phase of play than the one that sticks the ball in the back of the net by by about six inches at most and you know I, I don't really want to get into the, the rights or wrongs of that decision here but what that sort of reminds you of is that you know if you want to try to act 
as though these lads are going to in some way, shape or form bottle it. Well, actually, in that passage of play, nobody bottled anything. Aguero does really well, feeds Sterling, who finishes brilliantly. There's not much that the Tottenham keeper or defence can do about what happens to them. They haven't got anything badly wrong. And in the end, and it is, you know, it is, it's 75, 80, 85, maybe even 99% luck in the end that that goal isn't given. And then what happens is that we get told that Guardiola can't put aside together that can challenge in Europe or that he's got this fatal flaw or anything like that. And that's patently nonsense when there's an incident in the last minute of a football match, which means it could go either way. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. It might be that a few Manchester City supporters are wondering whether or not he got his selection or subs right going away to Tottenham. But even there, if, you know, in the first leg, but even there... Man City came to Anfield last season in a European Cup quarter-final first leg and we beat them 3-0 and he tried to pick a side that would protect him, protect his side and be able to be offensive and we picked him up on the counter and he's got that information in his head and he's got to think about that and make some decisions and listen, we, football managers can't, none of them can be perfect but the idea that Guardiola isn't self-evidently one of the very best if not the best coaches of elite footballers in the whole world is ridiculous it's nonsense yeah. um, you know, the idea that anyone would say that just doesn't make any sense to me and certainly not to say it to score some sort of banterish points on either in the pub or on social media you know what I mean let's not do that let's instead say brilliant that we've got this level of coaching and this, this level of footballers and we get to watch them every week yeah, it's great actually to hear you speak. And we had um, before the Man City game a few weeks ago the the guys from the Blue Moon podcast on, and and they were similar in that there's no hate or you know disrespect. There's a lot of respect and admiration shown from both teams to each other, and and I think that's you know testament to both clubs and and the quality of the sides. That like you said, if if you lose out the title to Manchester City, you've got to kind of just hold your hands up and say we've had a fantastic season. Absolutely, yeah, and I, and I hope that I do hope that that's, if it goes that way. In either direction, I do hope that is the sort of the the prevailing uh, the prevailing wind on the on the matter is is that everyone gets to sort of say yeah, you know it came close. Trust me, you know there's, there's, there'll obviously be times where you know Man- Manchester City will drive me a bit mad. Uh, Fernandinho being able to forearm a smash Kane in the back of the head uh, <laughs> and get away with impunity in the first leg was one of those sorts of times where you're a bit like really. But ultimately, Fernandinho was a fantastic footballer, and you know he's 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 got where he's got to by being driven and by being by being really really good and. I think that's all you want. All you want at this point now is is to is to see your side, see your side continue to do the business. And you know, I don't really like watching Manchester City's games anymore because I, I, I find it quite a draining experience. Up and you're just jittery and panicky when you're just looking for a side to fail to do something rather than trying to urge a side on to succeed or just enjoying a football match on its own merits. Like every single time Raheem Sterling gets the ball, I just want to cover my face. So <laughs> you know, I want to hide behind a cushion. So that's not you know that doesn't feel good if you know what I mean. When really I should be thinking, well, let's have a little look. At what this fella does here but you know that's where we are and, and down the other end of the table you know you put yourselves in that position now with Brighton where it's probably quite similar yeah yeah it is is it am I right in saying it? is it is it 25 years since Liverpool won a top league title something around that though that year longer. isn't it longer is it longer 1990 1990, 1990 is when we last won the league how yeah. much does that that play into the mentality you think I I saw a quote from Klopp the other day and he said the club hasn't won a title for that long but this is the first time this team has challenged for the title so we can't judge them against that but yeah. how much do you think for the supporters is that is that a factor it's, it's huge for the supporters it really is I think so far one I think Klopp 
if Klopp pulls this off this season and Liverpool win, win the title, then I think it will be one of the great feats of football management um, of the last sort of, well, couple ever. To be honest with you, and there's lots of, lots of little factors in that. I, I'm not saying here it's some sort of brilliant, necessarily brilliant feat of coaching uh, slash tactician sort of football management, although that plays a massive part of it. But instead, building a team over a period of time, building a set of expectations, managing that team, managing their expectations, managing them through moments, picking fitness, having a fitness plan for the side, working out who's going to feature when, all of that sort of stuff. A lot of the stuff that you, you do in July or maybe even you do last April, um, I think is where Klopp has, 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 has genuinely excelled this season and done so to an astonishing level. But one of the things he's done brilliantly is he's harnessed that pressure off the pitch from the supporters almost most mostly all as a force for good and the way in which he's gone at the club around this idea that we, we really do have to be on on one page altogether Leicester at home which I mentioned recently was a nervous night at Anfield but it's been the only one back in January apart from that there really is a a strong feeling that everyone's in this together, and his observation that this team hasn't lost, hasn't failed to win a title is, is is right, and it's 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 fair. But the energy of the fact that we we all crave this league title so much, and I think it's I talk to Manchester United supporters sometimes, and they're almost a lot of the older ones are intrigued as to how how quickly Liverpool will write off a League Cup or an FA Cup or write them off over the course of a season, and their sort of attitude, a lot of them is well, you know, just silverware, silverware, but. I think that the, I think that Liverpool supporters would be able to feel that and live that journey a little bit more once that first league title was in the bag. That our first league title, you know, this is a generational thing. As I said before, last time we won the league, I was nine, and that means that literally I've never had a pint with Liverpool as champions. Now that's the case for a lot of football supporters in this country, but what they don't have is the idea that well, lots of other people have had lots of pints with Liverpool as league champions. We've won it eighteen times. We're still the most second most successful club in terms of the league titles uh, won in this country, and we haven't won any of them since nineteen ninety. And I think it would be, you know, it'd be profoundly important for the club, not least because, listen, football's football. We could we could have the same group of players next season. We could improve upon them, and we could get ten games in, and we could be played ten, one six, drawn two to and we could have played as well as we played in the first 10 games of this season but we got to send it off the ball didn't bounce for us a contentious penalty and we'd have 20 points and 20 points is sound it's fine it's it's top four pace but Man City could be played played 10-1-9 drawn one yeah. and how we'd then feel if we hadn't won the league this season if we had won the league this season we'd be going well it's absolutely fine let's just hang in there see if City slip up on the one hand on the other hand let's try and win an FA Cup let's try and win a European Cup and let's just make sure we finish top four and we'd be utterly relaxed about it but if we didn't win the league this season we'd be all doing each other's heads in absolutely up the wall about it no matter how how much we respect Manchester City's achievements themselves feeling like oh god you know it's never going to happen and I, you know the extent to which it is really massive and I don't think it's massive from the idea of building a dynasty although that could happen it would just feel like a weight off to so many Liverpool supporters and if that meant we weren't going to win it for any of the next five years well we could all put up with that we could all relax with that and, and move on I don't think that is the case I think if we win one I, you know I'm optimistic a couple could come relatively quickly afterwards but that's what it mean, and that's what that's the the all that's the context. Klopp's done what he's done in, and you know it's fair to say that at times Liverpool supporters are, you know, can be can be highly strung around the the, the title issue. But as the you know the old Marilyn Monroe quote goes, if you can't handle us at our worst, don't ask for us at our best. <laughs> and looking forward to the game on Sunday, Neil. You know, obviously you came off a, a, another win in Europe in midweek, um, fairly comfortable. Obviously Porto maybe with a better side in the first half, but second half the quality really 
really told, didn't it? How are you feeling going into the game? I, I guess for, for Liverpool, Cardiff's probably a game that, that you'd go into fancying yourselves and, and you're happy with that after after European games. Yeah, broadly. What I would say is that we went to Fulham after Bayern Munich away and we were we were on top for most of the game, but we grew sloppy as the game wore on and there wasn't quite the same sharpness that being in the weeks leading up and in the Bayern Munich away game. So there is such a thing as a European hangover. It can, it can play a part and I do think that there'll be a completely different atmosphere at Cardiff away than there was at Fulham away. Um, that's not to, to denigrate the Fulham support. Yeah, but you'll I think have no clappers in, in Cardiff. Well, but there'll be lots and lots of noise. Uh, It will be an absolute bear pit. Uh, And I'd be disappointed if it wasn't, to be quite honest with you. You know, I think that for me, Cardiff are one of the great sort of lost clubs of English and Welsh football over the last few years. You know, I think that if Cardiff could stay up and and had had a genuine plan over a number of years, they could quite easily become a force in the top half of the table uh, because of the, the the sheer desperation understandably for there to be um one of the two sides to to lead Welsh football and Cardiff to me seem better place to do so but that's down the road I'm expecting I'm expecting Sunday to be to be an aggressive uh, affair both on and off the pitch and I mean that as a compliment I'm expecting it to be blood and thunder <clears throat> again I mean that as a compliment and I'm really expecting Liverpool to have to work um and this is not you know, a few weeks back, or <clears throat> when the when the season when the fixtures come through, you're probably looking at this one from a Liverpool point of view and thinking, well, they'll probably be down by then. That'll probably be a bit of a gimme. It won't be a gimme at all. Um, I actually think Porto could be good training for Liverpool in the warm up to to Cardiff. In that, you know, it was an aggressive European atmosphere. It was hugely partisan, and there was a big first 25 minutes from Porto. And I think Liverpool are going to have to live through the same experience it'll be noisy it'll be rowdy and I'm expecting a big first 25 minutes from Cardiff where you know if you offer me right now nil nil on 30 I'd take it um I know Cardiff have conceded some early goals against the bigger sides this season but I think it'll be a game where Liverpool will have to suffer a little bit to get through um and then go from there yeah I, I agree I think um obviously our, our win against Brighton in midweek completely changes the context of the game and you know, gives us that boost in energy that it's all to to fight for for us. And I spoke to um to this is Anfield with Henry Jackson for their preview this week, and and I said I could similar to you, I could see it us you know kind of going for it the first twenty five thirty minutes, maybe even nicking a, a sort of scrappy goal and really putting the pressure on. But I think probably the you know Liverpool's quality will will tell, and maybe you know you win two one or something like that. But yeah, I think the first twenty five minutes could you know. Have Liverpool sweating a little bit, but um, yeah, you, you've obviously watched a lot of of, of all the Liverpool games this season and and seen them win the majority of games and different tactics from different sides to try and stop Liverpool. If Neil Warnock was listening now, what advice would you give him to to stop Liverpool? Well, I, th- I don't think Neil can do this given the, the personnel that he's got. But right now, if I was if I was setting up a side that was somewhere in the Premier League between seventh and fourteenth, I'd say play five two three or five three two. And I, that's what I'd be looking to do. I think you either go two on two on Liverpool's centre-halves and you accept that whichever of your strikers comes up against Van Dijk is likely to come off second best. But if you were to go two on two there, I think you could really put him under some pressure uh, because he'd be less able to help across. And you give Liverpool's full-back something to think about in terms of do they need to help the do they need to help the centre-halves. A lot of sides play one up front against us. And I understand why, because that gives you the idea that you can, you can get 10 behind the ball. But I think you'd be better off gambling um, and having seven or eight behind the ball and 
Wolves instead looking to pin Liverpool and at least make them think what they're going to do about that threat. So, but I don't think Warner can play play a back five, um, particularly given the personnel that he's got. Maybe if Bamba was available, but he isn't. Yeah. Um, so I think it's difficult. And I think also if you play something like five two three, uh, to use five two three as an example, I think you need your midfield to to be exceptional. Um, and you know, so for instance, Leicester, who could play for instance in Didi and Tielemans or in Didi and Mendy, they could do that. But I, I think you could just find yourself overrun in that area if you if you if you're Cardiff and, and your players are just simply less good, which they are. So I think that the, the, the setup that Warnock's likely to go with is probably the smartest one. I think I'd really get Nias to cheat and to run channels and to 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 hound whoever it is who has the ball. I'd probably be asking him to do a massive sixty, uh, covering right the way across the line, and really really pressuring. It's, it's what he wants to do anyway. But I'd be encouraging him to to just run himself into the ground for 50, 55 minutes and then accept that he's, he's going to be coming off. Uh, if you if you want to have him on the pitch for the last half an hour, then go with somebody else up top and change that one around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I think that Camarasa is so important to this Cardiff side. <laughs> His quality is clear. Yeah. For me, the interesting one is is whether or not it's Gunnarsson and Arta. Gunnarsson, I know, went off in the last game and Arta it missed the last game. And I, there, is a, there is a thing that should be in Neil Warnock's mind that I think, listen, if, if he'd got beat by, by Brighton then this, this game at the weekend or drawn with Brighton this game at the weekend against Liverpool would actually have been almost a bit more all or nothing. You know, you'd have needed to get, to get three points from it. Um, to stay alive and that would have been a really really difficult ask I wonder whether or not if there is any injury doubts being really honest if I was Neil Warnock and I'm thinking about what my job is which is to win two of the remaining four games and hope for the best then I would and maybe get a point if need be in the last day then I would probably rest any doubts because I think getting those lads fully fit for Fulham and Crystal Palace is the most important thing because they really are games that I can see I can see uh, Cardiff winning uh, and can see a pathway through from yeah. there as well I'd then be sensible with with the fullbacks I'd get them to come in quite tight I'd be aware that Liverpool are going to therefore look to play with their own fullbacks and you've got to have a plan detailing what you're going to do with Liverpool's fullbacks and how you're going to stop getting the balls to them I think that that's the thing I'd probably try to do I'd be working on keeping Trent Arnold and Andy Robertson out of the game and making sure that it's hard for Liverpool to get them the ball and once they've got the ball closing off obvious passing lanes but listen you know Liverpool are a, they're a terrific attacking unit at the minute any one of, of Salah, Mane and Firmino can contribute in a second Liverpool are never more than 10 seconds away from scoring against you and that's one of the you know, one of the real benefits and, and brilliances of this side is that fact. Henderson's very much coming into form. I expect Keita to play in centre midfield with Fabinho and Henderson. And the fullbacks, the only thing I would say is it wouldn't surprise me if Klopp rests one of the two fullbacks that he plays Milner on either side. Um, because I think that both are, have run themselves into the ground this season. They have to do so much shutting up and down that he might just try and protect the legs a tiny little bit there. Um, and then apart from that, I think, you know, set pieces are going to be important. It's easy to say, but Liverpool will have six foot five Joel Matip and six foot five Virgil Van Dijk in there. But you know they will be important for for Cardiff. And what I would say is that there was that odd patch earlier in the season where Cardiff were themselves conceding from set pieces. Yeah. And if I'm Neil, if I'm Neil Warnock, that's the thing I don't want to see happen. You know, the, 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 I think I think if you know from a Cardiff point of view, my attitude would be I'd be going into the game if I was Warnock saying to my players listen these can be brilliant and they can beat you so make sure that they have to be brilliant to beat you make sure they earn the goals don't give them anything yeah. cheap that's it. you I don't mind that's when a better side beats you because they're a better side and you know score great goals it's the scrappy you know mistakes that really really grind you 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's that's what that's what Neil Warnock won't want. And listen, you know, I I, I think that there is a way home for Cardiff. I think it, I think the, I think the Cardiff will need a bit of luck, but then that's that's part of football, and it always has been, and it always will be, and it's how you ride that luck if it comes um, that, that 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 challenges a team. But you know, this is I think this is a Cardiff side that can win two of its last four. I obviously very much hope one of them isn't against Liverpool, but I you know I think it's I, th- I think it's possible that Cardiff can win two of the last four. I think it's possible that Cardiff can take maybe seven points from the remaining four games, and if they do, then that puts a massive onus on Brighton to to get their points on the board as well. And Wolves on Saturday for Brighton, I'm sure you're all going to be watching and paying attention to that one as closely as you would do your own game. And yeah. and I, you know, I I do wonder if it would be perfectly reasonable for Wolves to be on the beach. There's an argument they actually should be at this point. Um, so that would be a concern. But they've been good at home, and Brighton just at the minute just look they look so short of inspiration that you struggle to see how they score against Wolves. So I think that there's I think there's everything to play for here for Cardiff both on on Sunday, but even if it goes wrong, even badly wrong on Sunday, the season's not over. Absolutely well. That was one one hell of a scout report. I'm actually hopefully Neil Warnock actually does listen to that. that was, uh, <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, if Trent Alexander Arnold does does play, we've got the battle of you know the top two right backs in the country being scouts in <laughs> Trent and, and Lee Peltier. There we go. Uh, good for Lee to get to, to play against Liverpool, and he was someone who was talked of a lot as a younger player. So it's uh, you know it's it's always nice to see players who come through at Liverpool, Cody at Wolves as well, be able to uh, get a career at the, at the highest level. I think that's what you want from all the young prospects, certainly all the ones who make it through the entire youth system, is to feel as that you've at least made Premier League quality footballers. Yeah, and fair play to to Pelts in that you know coming into the season, I think we all thought, and throughout most season, probably we've all thought that we needed a right back. Um, and Bruno Manga, who's a centre-half, played the first half of the season. And then with Bamba getting injured and he's moved inside and, and Peltier's come in. And, you know, since you know since the new year, really, where he's featured more, he's been fantastic. For, for you know, to be honest, a championship-quality player, he's been fantastic. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's... It- it's, it's interesting how many, you know, I can't quite work out with this Cardiff side, how many are Premier League quality and how many are Championship quality. But again, I think that it's a very strange situation to be in. But having thought about it a lot this season, you know, Warnock's been for us a bit of a, almost like a pantomime villain at times as Liverpool supporters. And I think he relishes, he's relished that role yeah. in the past a little bit. But what I would say is, I think he deserves enormous credit. I think that, you know, it could well have been that he got a card of side up who weren't good enough to come up, but he got them up and the players themselves got themselves into a unit and got up and fair play to them for that. You know, that's a real achievement. And then this season, the very fact that this season's still alive, given the nature of the players who are on the pitch, that speaks wonders for the spirit and it speaks wonders for the togetherness. I think it speaks wonders for the support as well. Um, but also, it, you know, Warnock deserves credit for that. And I think that sometimes there's some managers who, who because they're very good managers and very good at getting teams promoted from the Championship up into the Premier League, suddenly find themselves in the Premier League with a squad who maybe just is not quite good enough. And that then often reflects badly on the manager who finds himself in a situation where he gets sacked in February and all of that sort of thing and is made to look like a failure, whereas really his biggest failing was being too successful and from the outset. And I think that's happened to Warnock a couple of times. And I'm really pleased Cardiff have stuck with him through the course of the season. I think, again, it shows that there's a togetherness and an awareness of the club. And I think that no matter what happens, I suspect it might be his last season. But I think he's, you know, I think he deserves huge credit for that. And, and, and Cardiff do as a, as, a, as a whole. Absolutely. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Before I let you go, what's your score prediction for Sunday? Score prediction is 2 0 Liverpool. Great. Well, enjoy the game. Are you making the trip down to Cardiff? I, sadly, I'm not for this one. Uh, I, have, I have family commitments and pressures. Easter Sunday has not been good. Uh, it was, if ever there was a game I wanted to be half five Saturday, it was this. Yeah, well, 
in, enjoy the game if you watch it at home and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season thank you very much thank you for listening to View from the Ninian a reminder that if you like what we do please vote for us as the best new content creator at the Football Blogging Awards there's two ways to do this you can vote on Twitter head to at VFTNinian that's VFTNinian Copy and paste our pinned tweet and tweet it from your own profile. Alternatively, you can go to the Football Blogging Awards website, which is footballbloggingawards.co.uk and vote there. Remember, view from the Ninian under the best new content creator. Thank you very much.